So the passage that Jessica just read uh, really kind of falls in the middle of the overall theme of the book of Acts. Uh, You know, Jesus, the theme is really about uh, the Great Commission uh, that Jesus shared at the beginning of Acts to the church, to his disciples. And then it's really uh, the history of how the early church lived out that mission to go and make disciples of every nation. In fact, Jesus says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, Doug actually did his message last week based on this very scripture passage. We're kind of giving a theme uh, this next three weeks really about uh, the global mission that God gives to his disciples and to the church. And it's part of what we're called to do at First Covenant Church, to go deeper in Christ and further in mission. And so in this passage where we find this passage in Acts, the good news has already been proclaimed in the early church in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. That's already happened. Uh, with tremendous results, the Holy Spirit was at work in powerful ways. Thousands of people came to faith. Uh, just a little bit before this passage, uh, the Gospels began to be shared with, uh, within Judea, kind of the local countryside around Jer- Jerusalem. And then it's the mission's gone into Samaria, so the third place that Jesus had commanded that it go. Before the passage before this one, in fact, we find Philip uh, going to Samaria and witnessing about Christ. And as Philip and his friends are returning back to Jerusalem, uh, something unusual happens to them in verse 26 of the passage that we're looking at. So again, Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 40. And our topic this morning is eyewitness. And a witness simply is someone who tells what he or she uh, has heard or or what they have seen. And in Acts 1-8, again, Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we know who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And we've read in his word, and we've seen his wor- him work in our lives, and we are his witnesses. And he wants us to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Now you may ask, how do I become a witness? What does that look like? Well, Today I want us to look at this passage of Scripture and think about three different ways by which we can be a faithful witness for Christ. The first thing I think we can see through this interaction with Philip and the eunuch is that we need to be obedient to God's leading in our life. The angel of the Lord in the beginning of this passage told Philip to go south on a desert road from uh, Jerusalem to, Ga- to Gaza. And it was kind of an unusual command and an unusual place for him to go. It's a desert road again that goes about 60 miles south of Jerusalem to the Gaza Strip, and it would take about two days for somebody to walk that road. It was the main road from Jerusalem to Egypt and then to other roads that would go to Africa from there, including Ethiopia. And notice that Philip's not told why he's supposed to go this way, although he's going to sh- find out shortly. He's not told anything about what kind of ministry he's going to perform or to whom he's supposed to minister to. He's simply instructed by the angel of the Lord to go a certain direction, and he obeyed. Again, in verse 29, it says, The Spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. And it literally means be glued to this chariot. It's an interesting phrase that's used in the, in the language there. And so we see that Philip ran over to the chariot, and we, we kind of see what's going on here. Philip is somebody who pays attention to the leadership of the Lord in his life. And and when he knows or he senses that God's prompting him to do something, he doesn't hesitate. He 
He obeys. He doesn't second guess where he's going. He just went. That's his response. He obeys faithfully. And thus he encounters the eunuch. And the eunuch was a very influential man, we're told in the scripture passage. He was a court official uh, for the queen of Ethiopia. He was also in charge of the treasury for that company. And we see Philip, who's a man who's willing to serve God and his mission in any capacity. Philip, earlier in Acts, we, we know that he was somebody that was called to be a deacon. He was one of the first seven deacons to serve in the early church. We see in the passage before this one, he's willing to go to Samaria and be a witness for Christ there. He's also willing to walk down this road, this desert road, and to be a witness to this one Ethiopian. I find it interesting that Philip uh, didn't have to go all the way to Ethiopia to share with an Ethiopian. He simply had to obey Christ, or, uh, the Lord, and go down this road. And I think it's interesting for us to think about that, that we don't have to necessarily go to Guatemala or Mexico or China. Certainly God calls some of us, some of his disciples, to go to those places. But we need to think about our world today. Those foreigners come to places like Kansas and even Salina, Kansas. We've got a lot of people in Salina, Kansas, that are from different lands. And, and I think that every day I, that we walk around, we have opportunities to interact some, with some of these folks who are from different places, different parts of the world. And are we willing to, to pay attention to the leadership of the Holy Spirit the Lord prompting us to initiate a conversation, a relationship with one of them, and maybe the doors will open for us to be able to share, with, with, to, with, uh, share about Christ to somebody from a very distant, distant part of the world that we are, than, than from where we are at in Salina, Kansas. So when God commanded, Philip immediately obeyed. In fact, Philip wasn't the first person who Jesus commanded to go and make disciples of all nations, was he? That had happened months earlier when Jesus shared the Great Commission with the disciples and with the early church. And so there had been many months, and he wasn't the first one that had been commanded, but he's the first one that we know from Scripture who was obedient to go and share about Christ with someone from a different part of the world. Uh, It's interesting that this is one of the things, I think, that makes him a faithful witness. It's interesting, in the Old Testament, uh, God called Abram, to go to another land and to establish that part of the world for God. And we're told in the Old Testament that Abraham responded, he rose, and he went with his family. In the New Testament, Jesus calls his disciples to come and follow him, and we're told that they lay down their fishing nets, they stop their business, and they follow him. In this story, we're told that God commanded Philip to go down this road, and he went. It's like the old Nike ad, Uh, just do it. You guys remember that one? And so I think God, that's what he wants us to do as well. He wants us to just do it without question or without complaint. God's not given uh, his mission to to angels. He's given his mission to you and to me, to us. And obedience, just like Philip was obedient to God's leading and his Holy Spirit, obedience is a habit that God wants all of his disciples to develop daily. The Bible tells us that our obedience is better than sacrifice. It's better than our offerings. Literally, being obedient to God's command is the first step to being a faithful witness for Christ. The question is, are we willing to be obedient to God's command? Do we have the faith to be obedient to his command? And what is God calling us to do? Who is he calling us to share with or to build a relationship with or to serve? And where is he asking you to go? Are we paying enough attention to the Holy Spirit 
that we're, we know when the Spirit leads us and when He calls us. Our obedience is literally a proof of our faith. So let's, let's be obedient like Philip was obedient to be his witnesses. Let's just do it, okay? So now, to kind of make that point, I want to share with you um, a story about a pastor that I knew earlier in my life. And he had told me about kind of his own experience. Uh, he had uh, been a student in seminary for four years. He had been a pastor before he was at seminary, but he'd never been to seminary before. And he felt like to be a better pastor, God was leading him to go to seminary. So he stopped being a pastor and he went to seminary for four years. He went to Gordon-Conwell in Boston, Massachusetts. And when he was getting near the end of his four years of seminary, uh, he was trying to figure out where was God leading him to go? What was God leading him to do? And he spent time seeking God earnestly for that calling and for God's leadership. And in one of those times of prayer, he felt clearly the Holy Spirit leading him to know that God wanted him to go to Lee Summit or Blue Springs, Missouri, on the southeast side of the metro area of Kansas City, and start a new church to do a church plant in that area. And he thought that was a very direct instruction from God. He told me later, he said, I usually don't get that kind of clear instructions from God, but I really felt that was what God was telling me I was supposed to do. And so he didn't know where to go next with that instruction. And so he called a pastor that he knew in Kansas City. Now he's in Boston, Massachusetts. He calls a pastor he knows in Prairie Village, Kansas, on the west side of Kansas City. And he said, I'm getting ready to graduate from seminary. I've been praying about what God wants me to do. He said, I feel like God is calling me to plant a church in Kansas City. He was too afraid to be bold enough to say, I believe God's calling me to plant a church in Lee Summit or Blue Springs. So he just said Kansas City. And the pastor said, well, he goes, he's a covenant pastor. He said, our denomination is really uh, at the forefront of planting new churches. He said, you ought to come to Chicago next week. We've got a big annual meeting in Chicago. He says, our conference superintendent will be there. I'll be there. I'll introduce you to him. We can have a conversation. He said he would be the one that would let you know or what we could do about seeing if you could plant a church in Kansas City. So the seminary student bought an airline ticket. He went to Chicago. The three guys met in a coffee shop in Chicago. And the seminary student shared his story again with the pastor and with the conference superintendent. He told him he felt like God was giving him a vision to plant in Kansas City. He didn't say Lee Summit or Blue Springs. He thought that was too impetuous. He just said Kansas City. And, uh, and after he got done sharing his part of the story, the conference superintendent looked over him and he said, Gary, I'm getting ready to retire in, in, at the end of this year. He says, I really feel like the Lord has laid it on my heart. The one thing he wants me to accomplish before I retire is to plant a new church in Lee Summit, Missouri. And he said, the pastor who told me the story said, I about fell out of my chair when he told me that in that coffee shop in Chicago. He didn't say anything Im- immediately about the vision God had given him. And the other pastor, who's from Prairie Village, Kansas, said, well, that's interesting. He said, I've got four or five families in my church who live in Lee Summit, and they've been driving me crazy about planning a new church in Lee Summit, Missouri. He said, we should really talk about this. And then the the seminary student finally said, let me tell you what I feel like God really revealed to me in my prayer. And he shared the part with the specific idea of Blue Springs or Lee Summit. And he said the three of them just sat in this coffee shop, silent, pondering the Lord's leadership. And how amazing it is that a guy in Boston, Massachusetts, a guy in Omaha, Nebraska, and a guy in Prairie Village, Kansas, that God would speak the same vision into those three guys, and they discover it in Chicago, Illinois. And I share that with you to say that they were obedient. They responded. They took steps. Eventually, a church was planted. 
And that church grew within 10 years to 650 people. A hundred people uh, came to know the Lord through that church's ministry. It's still a church today in Lee Summit, Missouri. And how do I know that story? Diane and I were one of the couples that were driving that pastor crazy in Prairie Village saying, we need to plant a church in Lee Summit. Now, that's an amazing step of faith, an amazing thing to begin a new church. But I'm here to tell you today that I believe the Holy Spirit speaks to each of us on a regular basis. Maybe not with that big of an initiative, but maybe it's to go talk to our neighbor. Maybe it's a a neighbor who the mom has been sick with the flu for a couple of weeks. And we feel led to cook a meal for her and for her family and to offer that and see if that conversation leads anywhere. Maybe it's we know about another person whose spouse has passed away. And the wife, uh, older wife, needs help mowing her lawn. And we realize we're supposed to go over and mow her yard for her and comfort her and be able to share with her about Christ. Maybe it's a student in a school who's just moving into town and another student who's a believer recognizes that person, that student is lonely and isolated and they need a friend. And I'm going to go over, the Lord's prompting me to go over and have a conversation initiate a friendship with that person and see if the Lord would open any doors up for me to share about Christ. If we obey God, he will lead us to roads of opportunity. And when we see those opportunities, this leads to the second thing I see here. We need to seize the opportunity to share. Look at verse 27. We know the Ethiopian eunuch had come to Jerusalem to worship God, but we don't know how he had heard about God in Judaism. There's a possibility that biblically and historically that King Solomon's interaction centuries before with the Queen of Sheba, who was from that area, might have had something to do with it. And so we know there was a Jewish community in Ethiopia from the time of King Solomon until Jesus walked the earth. Maybe he had heard from them. Anyway, on his way home from Jerusalem... He was sitting on his chariot reading a scroll of Isaiah. He probably had purchased the scroll when he was in Jerusalem. And it tells us that he was most likely a rich man because scrolls cost a lot of money back then. It's possible he only had a portion of the the, uh, scroll of Isaiah. Again, even a portion of a scroll would have been very expensive. He knew no matter how much it cost, he must have the word of God and read it because it contains the words of life. And in verse 30, as Philip went near the chariot, he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. He must have been reading aloud because we're told that Philip heard him reading, which was really a kind of a common practice back in ancient times. Only a few people knew how to read, and so often they would read aloud so that the other people who didn't know how to read would benefit from that. And so even though he didn't know much, the Ethiopian eunuch was trying to pass on what he did know to those who worked with him, to those who served him. And after hearing him read, Philip asked him a great opportunity. He seized a a great opportunity asked him really a great question. He said, do you understand what you're reading? It's a great question. And the eunuch was was honest in his response. He said, how can I understand unless somebody explains it to me? And not only was he reading it, but he was asking questions of the text as he was reading it. And it opened the door for Philip to be able to share the gospel with the Ethiopian eunuch through the very passage that he was reading. It was Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 and 8, which points to Jesus' atoning death and perhaps more clearly than any other Old Testament passage. It's kind of a perfect preparation for Philip to be able to share about Christ with him. 
And so Philip begins with where the eunuch was, and he takes him through scriptures, and he explains who Jesus is and what Jesus had, had done. And as Philip explained the verses to him, uh, the Ethiopian began to understand the gospel, and the Spirit of God was opening his mind and his heart to God's truth, and God had already prepared his heart uh, for the, the Ethiopian eunuch to receive what Philip was going to witness to him. He just, Philip just had to seize that opportunity to share with him, which he did. It's interesting to me that there's times when I feel like God's prompting, the, leader, the Holy Spirit is leading me to initiate with someone in a conversation. And maybe there's a specific idea I feel like God's say, saying, I want you to share this with this person or have a conversation with this person about that. And honestly, there are times I, I feel that from the Holy Spirit, I think, and I think, then I think humanly, I think, that's crazy. Like, for me to go do that with this person that I don't even know, God, that is crazy. And yet the times that I'm bold enough to actually follow through on what I feel like the Holy Spirit's calling me to do, oftentimes what I find is whatever I share with them, it really does help them. It's like the words that God gives me is what that person needed. And so who am I to, to question the leadership of the Holy Spirit? But it's still, there are times I feel that, and so I'm hesitant to follow through. But God wants us to seize the opportunity. Uh, I was reading a devotion this week as I was looking at this passage and working on this message, and it really spoke to me. It was, it was a, a devotion that was on kind of referring to the, the road, the Jericho Road, and how often the Jericho Road comes through the New Testament. It, it, it tells us that on the Jericho Road that Zacchaeus, the, the, lead, the wee little man, climbs up a tree uh, to see who Jesus was, and as he's passing by, Jesus seizes the opportunity, and he has dinner with Zacchaeus, and eventually Zacchaeus invites Christ into his heart. It's on the Jericho Road that we see two different blind men who call out to Jesus as he's passing by. And Jesus seizes the opportunity and he restores their sight. It's on the Jericho Road that we're told the story about the injured man who's calling out for help. And the good Samaritan seizes the opportunity and he helps the injured man and he takes care of him. The Jericho Road is a, is a road of opportunity. And it runs by your home. It runs by your shop. It runs by your office. It runs by your school. And there's always a man or there's always a woman or there's always a certain student who's there waiting for us to be a witness. So the question is, are we letting those opportunities pass us by or are we seizing them to share Christ with them? We need to realize there are no accidents in this world. The Lord is leading us in all that we do and he's going to use us in a great way if we allow ourselves to be available and usable by him. How awesome is it to, to follow the Lord's leading in our life and to help somebody take one step closer to Christ? It's such a great experience. And, and sometimes when we lead that person one step closer to Christ, sometimes we actually get the opportunity to help lead that person to Christ. They're ready to receive Christ, and we get that opportunity to see them accept Christ in faith. It's an awesome experience. Let's seize the opportunities that are around us to be witnesses for Christ. That leads to my third observation as we're looking at this passage in Acts. That we need to trust God for the outcome. Sometimes my hesitation in witnessing is that I want to make sure that it goes right. Or I want to make sure that it goes somewhere positive. But it's not my thing to control. It's really God who's the one who's in control. We have to leave the outcome to God. It's not our job to bring that person to Christ. Our job is to witness. We do our part. And we have to trust God that he was going to do his part, which is drawing people 
closer into Christ. In the passage, we see the eunuch confesses that Jesus is the Son of God. And I think the eunuch uh, represents many people today who are spiritual and they're seekers and they're reading scriptures. They're reading what they think are holy uh, writings and they're seeking the truth and they, they don't have saving faith in Jesus Christ. They're sincere, but they're sincerely lost. And they need somebody to show them the way. So that's our part. That's where we get the opportunity to be a faithful witness, to do our job, which is to share the gospel. And God's going to do his job, which is saving souls. Bill Bright, who is the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, which is on many different universities across the United States, and now it's worldwide on a lot of different universities all over the world. He wrote one time, he said, success in witnessing is simply taking the initiative to share Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. We don't really know what happened to this eunuch. The scripture goes in a different direction. After he's baptized, it moves in another direction. We don't really know what happened, where he went, what happened with him and his servants. It's interesting, though, that uh, if we study history 100 to 150 years after this encounter in Acts, uh, still the early church is still trying to figure out how do we do this mission? How, do we, how are we faithful to go not only Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, but to the ends of the earth? And they were taking that seriously. They began to send out teams to go share and witness to, to the known ends of the world at that point. And we're told in the history books that they sent a group of witnesses to Ethiopia because they didn't think that anybody in Ethiopia knew about Christ. And to their utter amazement, when they get to Ethiopia, they found some Christians in Ethiopia. And there's writing of the early church fathers in the history that said that they then, as they were studying Scripture, they thought, you know what? We believe Philip, as he shared with his eunuch, this eunuch was faithful and his servants were faithful. And they went back and they told others in Ethiopia about Jesus. And we see that Philip and the early church trusted God for the outcome. And many people would say, you know, witnessing is not my thing, right? I'm not an evangelist. I don't know how to share the gospel. I'm scared if others would reject me because I'm not sure all the things to say. You know, a few weeks ago I gave a message about the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And in that story, Jesus reveals who he is, and she believes that he is the Messiah. And in the story, we're told that she leaves her jar at the well, and she goes back into town, into the village, and she tells everybody all that she knows about Jesus, which isn't a whole lot of information at that point. But she's a faithful witness for Christ, and that village comes to know Christ because of her witness. We have a story to tell. We know who Christ is. We know what he's done. We know what he's done in our life. And that's simply what it means to be a witness. We simply sell, uh, share what we know about God and what we know God has done for us as well. But remember, as a believer, we're a witness for Christ, and he's the one who's going to direct our witness. Being a witness for Christ is not an option. It's a command, a direct command from Christ, our Savior, and our Lord. Again, Acts 1, verse 8, he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I think the question for us is, will we be his witnesses? You know, this, this year we're giving emphasis to going deeper in Christ uh, at First Covenant, specifically to live into our calling to be a disciple of Christ. And it's interesting that the part about going deeper in Christ is, is bonded directly to going further in mission. 
We don't separate those things because to be a disciple means not only to go deeper in Christ, but to, to follow Christ's command to, make, to go and witness to all other people. So we're not being faithful disciples of Christ if we're not serving and we're not sharing our faith with others. And so as a part of that process, we've developed four questions that we want us to, to really wrestle with, even on a daily and a weekly basis. And I don't know if you remember, about a month ago, we had a flyer for a couple of weeks. Uh, it says, Disciple, it's a life-changing journey in Christ with others. And we've developed four questions that we can be asking ourselves on a regular basis, and even in conversation with each other. And I want us to look at those questions again. The first two questions is, uh, have you seen the Lord at work this week in your life? The second one is, how has God spoken to you through his word this week? Even if we think about those two questions, you know, if we're thinking about those two questions and we, we're recognizing how, how the Lord's been at work in our life this week and how God's speaking to us through his scriptures, when God prompts us to, to go ahead and share with somebody, to be a witness, we have something to share. We can tell people how we've seen God at work in our life this week. Or we can tell them, we can share with them a scripture passage that's been meaningful for us. And so often that same passage is going to be meaningful to another person. Let's look at questions three and four. It says, in what ways is Jesus calling you to serve or share your faith with someone? That's like a layup for this message, right? Like that is the question. In what ways is Jesus calling you to serve or share your faith with someone? And the fourth question is, how is Jesus inviting you to trust him more in what area of your life. So what I'd like us to do this morning as we close the message is, I would like you to think about and, and ask the Lord, how is he asking you to respond to question three or question four? And what I want you to do is actually take out your worship guide, take a pen, and I want you to just write down, what is the, what's a phrase or a word or a sentence that you feel like the Lord is prompting you to respond? So go ahead and take your worship guides out, take a pen, and we're just going to take some time for you to consider in what way is Jesus calling you to serve or share your faith with someone? And how is Jesus inviting you to trust him more in what area of your life? So take a, just a, a minute now and just think about that and see if you feel like God's prompting you in some way to respond to those questions and write it down. So as you're thinking about that, as you sense if the Lord's saying something to you, again, write that down. And the reason I'm asking you to write it down is that so often we write something down, we'll remember that thing. And then also it'll be an opportunity for you when you go home today. I'd encourage you to take a look at that and see how are you supposed to respond to the Lord's leading in your life in response to those one of those two questions. And then what are you going to do about that? Are, are you willing to be faithful? Are you going to look for opportunities to seize? And then in those things, are we willing to trust God to do the work? Let me close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this story that comes to us from Philip about his willingness to be obedient to your leadership. One, God, even he, he was so close to you that he could sense your leadership. He was so close to Christ that he knew when you were asking him to do something. And then he was willing to be obedient. And he was willing to seize the opportunity and trust you to do the work. And God, I pray that as our church and our people, as we are, as we are your disciples, that we would be willing to be your witnesses that we would look for opportunities to seize, that we'd be faithful to your commandment to be your witnesses in our Jerusalem, in Salina, in this area of the state of Kansas, uh, to our Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And God, our desire is to be found faithful. 
And Lord, we're grateful that you are at work in and through us, that it's not our work, but you working through us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.